Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and we are talking all about The Resistance Episode 4, The High Tower, which Charlotte and I are really excited because we both loved this episode. Uh, so but good. it was directed by Stuart Lee, who directed a lot of episodes of Rebels and Clone Wars, including the premiere of Rebels, Sparks of the Rebellion, and some really excellent Padme episodes in Clone Wars. And it was written by Stephanie Folsom, who is writing the Toy Story 4 screenplay right now, apparently. Yeah, I saw this in IMDb, and I was just really confused and like really happy for her, obviously. But I was surprised because she doesn't really have that many writing credits and she's helping develop the screenplay for Toy Story 4, which is really cool. Um, yeah, that is yeah. Really cool. I mean, talk about going from zero to 60 from like nothing yeah. to writing Toy Story 4. <laughs> I know. And like a resistance episode. I mean, Star Wars is like a huge deal. Writing Star yeah. Wars is a huge deal too. Yeah. So I think it explains though why we really like this episode because the premiere of Rebels is really excellent. Obviously, Spark the Rebellion, of course, Padme episodes and Clone Wars, and then someone who's associated with Toy Story. It's like the perfect combination. Totally. It really makes sense. Okay, so let's just get into talking about it. Yes. So in part one, we're going to do our highs and lows. And in part two, we're going to be talking about the story. And in part three, we're going to talk about characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? So Caitlin, why don't you start with your high? Because I feel like I always start and it's your turn to start. Oh my god, thank you. Uh, well, I like we both said, we really loved this episode. I laughed so much in this episode. I had a really great time. There was a lot of laughing and there was also a lot of like, <gasps> whoa. What? Yeah. Um, but I think one of my favorite parts was Kaz on the side of the Colossus, that whole sequence where he's kind of going up and down these different ledges. It reminded me a lot of like a video game um, mm-hmm. with the stormtroopers shooting at him. And then, of course, everyone in Aunt Z's uh, making bets on whether or not he would fall. It's all really I know. Funny. It was so funny. And like, you're right. It was very video gamey. You know what it reminded me of now that I have Toy Story in my mind? Um there's a part in, I think it's the beginning of Toy Story 2, where it's like a simulation. Um, I think the the toys are playing a video game, and like Buzz is trying to get to a certain point, and he's stepping on all these different like points of yeah. access. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind of similar to me in that way that it, it felt like a video game, and it was very like, but it was funny. It was really funny. I liked mm-hmm. that part too. Yeah, I did too a lot. So what was your first high? Okay, so my first high was <laughs> I really just love BB-8 in this series, guys. I really love him. And when he played dead and like out of power, I lost it. I laughed so hard. It was so funny. It was so funny. <laughs> I have expected him to actually lose power later on in the episode as like a – like they used it as this out for, you know, Kaz to be like, oh, got to go charge BB-8. And then like when Kaz actually needs BB-8, BB-8 has actually lost power. I thought that would have been really funny, but they didn't go there. But him They might go it. there. They might go there in the future. They might, but it would have worked really well in this episode for a laugh considering it was just a joke in the beginning and it was like wait no you're actually out of power (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah that was hilarious okay what's your second my second high is on my Niku is a first order agent uh, train theory train uh, when they're talking about first order spies and uh, Niku is like no I definitely absolutely really positively do not know any first order spies (laughs) and you're like that's exactly what a first order spy would say (laughs) 
I thought about you when I was watching this episode, but I'm still like 100% not here for the Nico fan theory. I think it's bad. And like, I just think he's so clueless, which this episode like totally showed. Yeah. Yeah. Literally no tact that like, I, I just, he's not, he's not the spy, but he could be the spy because that part was like, uh, a spy would say that. But he, when he, and he was like, I forget the, the conversation exactly, but he said something along the lines of, well, I mean, we could just ask them if they're a for, first order spy or like, not that I know any. No, I definitely don't know any first order agents. <laughs> like, it was pretty specific. <laughs> and I had a good time with it. I was like, this is perfect fodder for my Niku theory. It honestly is. Like, if you want, you can really go down this rabbit hole, and that's why the theory, like, is really funny and interesting because mm-hmm. it, it really hasn't been, like, proven, wow, there's absolutely no way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, like, ugh, he's not the spy. He can't be the spy. He's too precious. I don't know. Like, when he was asking the First Order agents um, why they were here with Kaz, and they were, like, mm-hmm. oh, just, like, buzz off, like – my my theory reels were spinning. I was like, Niku is so playing these guys. Like, he's playing all of them. Like, he doesn't even know these people. Like, he doesn't actually know these First Order spies. He's, like, so high up the totem pole that he's just, like, playing even these, like, low-level First Order stormtroopers. And man, oh, man, I'm excited. <laughs> can you imagine if you're right? Oh, I definitely can imagine. <laughs> I'll just remember flashback listeners to f- pre Last Jedi. I basically like predicted all of the first Bond scenes before I became a Raylo. <laughs> all right, I'm just, and and at the time I was like, guys, this is my crazy conspiracy theory that they're gonna have a force Bond. And it's gonna be like crazy, and like Ray's gonna go to him, and it's gonna be amazing. And it was. <laughs> So you're saying the same thing is going to happen with Nico. Nico's going to like basically take off his mask and reveal the First Order spy. No, it's going to be – I think it's going to be more like a Wizard of Oz, like the man behind the curtain kind of thing. And then I and then it's like all the pieces are going to come together. And I hope we get like this crazy montage of Kaz and like everyone else being super shocked and remembering moments like the ones in this episode where he's like, I totally don't know any First Order agents. And Kaz is like, oh, we should have known. He totally does know First Order agents. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned that like on a serious note, I – have like considered what it's going to be like rewatching resistance knowing who the spy is yeah and it's made me like take a closer look at what the you know the different interactions kind of say Mm -hmm. and like how we're going to be able to look at this a little differently once we know which i think is going to be really fun um yeah that is going to be really fun because rebels had a little bit of that with fulcrum like once you went back and you knew that ahsoka was fulcrum yeah Uh, i think resistance it's really going to enhance resistance viewing Mm -hmm. for sure yeah totally agree okay my second high is the complicated politics that have been brought up in the high tower and i feel like we're going to get into this so i don't want to like really dive deep but i was really like kind of gripping the edge of my seat during this episode like really excited about what information we were learning and it really enhanced this episode for me and probably it's my favorite episode that we've had so far 
Yeah, I totally agree. It, there was a lot of intrigue, a lot of political intrigue in this episode, which, like you said, we'll get into later in part two particularly. But I actually had a third high, and my third high was all of the clean hallways in the tower, just like Niku wanted to see. <laughs> and seeing uh, the bedrooms and like the office and Toro's bedroom, loved, loved it. Mm-hmm, me too. Her stuffed animals, amazing. Got a Constable Zuvio action figure. <laughs> I can't believe that. I literally can't believe that. It's hilarious to me. But uh, So good. <laughs> yeah. I loved seeing her bedroom. I loved that whole sequence. I loved finally being inside Doza's Tower. Um, that was really exciting. Definitely. Um, okay. So for my low, I have nothing. Same. Okay. <laughs> I know that's so boring, but I honestly don't have any low okay I do this all like whenever I don't have a low I'm always like I don't have a low but um (laughs) if I could change one thing and maybe this is part of the next episode in like a further along plot I think I'd make it a little clearer what is happening with the power being out I just don't really I didn't really understand it I've watched the episode twice I guess they're reserving power and I guess we'll we'll, I kind of want to walk through that in the story section but um, it was a little unclear to me, like, what was happening with the lights flickering below. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It did kind of come out of left field that suddenly they were on a power reserve, like, power outage. And Tam seemed to know what was up. And and Kaz kind of gave the impression that he had seen it before mm-hmm. when he'd been, like, from his time on the Colossus thus far. But it wasn't really explained of, like, oh, here's another power outage. Like, this is the third one this month. Or did they say something like that? I can't remember. They might have, but if if anything, it was really fast, and I just mm-hmm. I needed a couple more sentences. I think of yeah. kind of establishing that this is a thing that happens pretty often. I think you know, right. yeah. And I wonder what other kind of resources, resource shortages there are on the Colossus. Oh yeah, for sure. I know that there's more, and we'll definitely figure that out, and mm-hmm. that'll be discovered later. Okay, so let's talk about the story. <laughs> All right, welcome to part two where we're going to be talking about the story of this episode. And like always, we're going to start with this question of what's the state of the resistance? Well, clearly the resistance is not here. And (laughs) (laughs) the question is more what's the state of the First Order? And I think maybe we should be pivoting that question like overall for these episodes. Completely agree. Yeah. Maybe we could say like what's what's the prominent... A faction that we're seeing, hearing from. Is it the Colossus? Is it the Resistance? Is it the First Order? Like, who's kind of taking center stage in these, like, shifting politics? Exactly. So I think for the First Order, what this episode has showed me is not only, like I said in my high, that there's, like, definitely complicated politics going on, but it really raises a lot of questions for me about, okay, so why does the First Order want to be on the Colossus in the first place? And two, it's definitely shady that the First Order is basically baiting Captain Doza into um, using them for protection. And it's like, what are they going to steal? And like, I, I think that's a question that hasn't been answered yet. Um, but I get the impression that the First Order is doing this to multiple places and invading them, but in this sly way. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It reminds me a lot of what we saw in Clone Wars when you had the Republic and the Separatists like basically battling over allegiance from these planets and baiting them with protection either from the Jedi or from the clone, uh, not Mm -hmm. the clone troopers, the droid army. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that play out in a lot of different episodes in Clone Wars. I mean, how many times did we have a political leader from X planet and you had Dooku and Obi-Wan both there trying to, um, you know, list the pros and cons of the Republic versus the Separatists <laughs> and like whose horse was bigger, basically. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. But the First Order seems a little bit more sinister about it because they can be. Whereas the Separatists and the Clone Wars, they kind of were putting on this front of, you know, an actual government. Um, which I think some people, like, people, as we saw from that episode, Heroes on Both Sides, like, people in the Separatists actually thought they were doing the right thing. Whereas I don't think that's really the case with the First Order at all. They clearly have an underlying mission, which, again, we're starting to get more of this connectivity and a little bit deeper into the mystery of the because back a couple episodes when we had the pirate attack and then had the First Order representatives talking about um, how they were using the pirates to like basically get uh, more leverage on the Colossus. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here because if the First Order is using those pirates, it's it's all game. It's all... <laughs> they are dispatching the pirates, if I'm correct about this, right? Yeah, I th- yeah they are. So they are creating a problem for the Colossus in order to step in to solve that problem. Okay, yeah, because remember they were the pirates were stealing the fuel. Yes. Okay. So, all right. All right. It's all coming together now. Yeah, see, it's it's really complicated, mm-hmm. and it's 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 great that this is. Ugh, man, I know that everyone was like this episode, this series isn't going to get into that, and I'm just so happy it is. Mm-hmm. And the thing that so we talked about this this last in our last episode about how. Um, it's definitely part of the First Order that they have this contingency plan set in place by Palpatine afterwards that like kind of stocked a bunch of weapons and arms and everything. And clearly that's what the First Order is using to take over and offering these this sort of protection, this weaponry, this army to you know, protect certain places. And I'm sure it's, like I just said, I'm sure it's happening on other places besides the Colossus, but it's really interesting to see that, like, arm being flexed here. Yeah. Um, What's interesting is that, correct me if I'm wrong, the First Order isn't actually offering the Colossus protection. They're offering them fuel and supplies. So do we know exactly what it is the Colossus is doing no, but I think you might be a little wrong about that because in okay. that meeting with Captain Doza, he yeah. was like, your aces need help. They can't um, okay. defend the Colossus in the same way. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that they were being like purposely vague about that because I don't know how much they're actually going to help. But Yeah, I was thinking of the line when Doza was like, you think you can bribe me with like one shipment of fuel? Yeah, uh, but you're right. I forgot about that line. So maybe it's it, maybe it's both. Um, I think it is both, and yeah. I think that another thing to bring up is this like emphasis on fuel <laughs> that continues throughout oh, no. Star Wars. <laughs> solo, but, yeah, solo, definitely solo. And it's 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 like if you can look at the slew of Star Wars movies that have come out since the Disney purchase, it's like there's been a big emphasis on the need for fuel. And it's really, it's really cool to see that continue. And I've already said this before on our show, but um, I think that it is going to be, especially a show about pilots, it's definitely going to continue to be a major theme and a major need. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we'll see, because you're right, it has cropped up in a lot of different places in the Disney era of Star Wars. So I wonder if we'll see it kind of come to a head in episode nine at all. Mm -hmm. Like they've just been... It's just been like this shifting of who has control of the resources. And I mean, that's what 
political power is, like who's controlling the resources. Of course. Access to the resources too. And so I wonder what kind of resources there are on these uh, – what do they call them? Not the Outer Rim territories, the unknown regions mm-hmm. that Snoke – and the contingency from Palpatine were kind of tapping into um, these places or, or even like those those long-abandoned Force-sensitive planets that they talked about in the, in the Last Jedi novelization. Um, like what kinds of things are there that Snoke is perhaps using to uh, have an upper hand on something like the New Republic and on, you know, like syndicates and, and uh, communities like the Colossus. Another thing to consider that I'm just thinking about right now is at this point, this is six months before The Force Awakens, I would say Starkiller Base is like pretty much done, right? (laughs) And it's interesting because say Captain Doza was to decline the First Order's offer, I know that he doesn't know that the Starkiller Base exists, right? That, you know, the super weapon is in existence. So... I wonder if the first, and I think this is true. I mean, I think this is like the purpose of having such a huge super weapon, right? Is if you don't agree with my policies, this weapon will destroy you. And I think it's almost, we're at that point right now where the galaxy at large doesn't understand that that is such a huge threat. Like saying no can have such detrimental consequences. But um, as the audience, we know <laughs> that the First Order has that and it just makes them even more scary. Yeah, it's kind of like what we didn't know about the Death Star, that the Death Star had been used prior to Alderaan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be interesting to know how that works with Starkiller Base too. Like if Starkiller Base is going to be used maybe on the Colossus at some point um, or on something, some other planet related mm-hmm. to our Resistance characters. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's like you can't say no because there is this looming threat, but they don't know that yet. And again, it kind of goes back to our like uh, – sequel trilogy is like a, bi- a plate of spaghetti <laughs> metaphor <laughs> of everything is like we're we're almost at simmering level right now and so even though the captain Doza is saying no and even though you do have this threat of star killer base that we the audience know about the first order has to choose a very specific time to showcase the power of star killer base Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they can – maybe they have to prep to do it in some kind of secret fashion like the Death Star was for Jeddah where they destroyed their own archive. <laughs> um, so I think that will be interesting too, like how much – you're right. Like how far along is Star Starkiller Base? Is it ready? Has it been used prior to Hosnian Prime? Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to bring up is I was really reminded by the Lando situation in Empire Strikes Back with this. I immediately don't think of Captain Doza as a bad guy. And I think that is partially because of his daughter, who I think is just like pure sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, sure, he probably lives a life of privilege and is, you know, lording over the Colossus, right? Which it maybe in itself is not likable, but I don't think he's necessarily as bad as the First Order. And I could be proven wrong, um, but I think that he was put in this impossible situation in the same way that Lando was in Empire Strikes Back, where he almost is forced to take a deal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't take the deal um, yet. yet, but it, it was like a... I was reminded of 
Um, and it, it has to do maybe potentially with the fact that the Colossus in a way looks a little bit similar to Cloud City. The high, the Dozes Tower definitely oh, does. Yeah. Um, I really like that comparison though. I think that's a really great comparison to make um, given like the – like, yeah, like you're right, like the environment of Cloud City versus the Colossus and Doza and Lando's roles there. I think that's a really good comparison that I think we're going to see play out a lot more as the season goes on. It, yeah, because you don't really – I never really think about Lando's position all that much in Empire Strikes Back, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, but I think Doza is going to be a really good foil – not foil, but parallel to that. And we'll get to see – like more details about what Lando probably went through too and Empire Strikes Back, but it's going to be like teased out more in resistance with Doza. Yeah. So by saying that you are kind of assuming that he's going to say he's going to be forced by the First Order to occupy the Colossus. Yeah. I mean, I think he, at some point he's going to be put between a rock and a hard place. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he has at other points too, because, you know, you have characters like Hype and, and Aunt Z who have already kind of talked about it. So there are definitely like rumors going around the Colossus about Doza's involvement with the First Order. But like we saw today, today, um, in the episode, Doza doesn't really seem to really like the First Order. But, you know, if it's a situation between not being able, this like, the culture of the Colossus continues to fascinate me. How, like, Joseph refers to them as his citizens. So he feels some sort of responsibility. So is he elected? Does he own the Colossus? Like, what's the deal there? But he It's feels- just like Lando. Yeah. So, and he feels a sense of responsibility and that it's his duty to provide things like fuel and um, food, whatever it is, for his citizens. So, like how many ways can that tension with the First Order, like when I'm sure he's had to give up things for the First Order in order to provide for his citizens. But if Doza is as upstanding as we perhaps think he is, he's probably not going to like broadcast that, those kinds of deals. But those rumors are going to get spread anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I bet that that Kaz is going to have a spell where he thinks it's Doza and then there's like some mid-season finale where like all was revealed and you understand that like Joseph is really like an upstanding citizen and has just been like manipulated and, and harassed and blackmailed by the First Order. He'll probably have some really tragic death and we're all going to be like, no, the captain. What, what if it parallels to the very first episode when that guy falls off the side with Poe and Kaz? And Kaz oh, no. Was that? And Poe was like, don't worry. No. <laughs> Whereas Joseph's will definitely not be. It'll probably be raining. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, okay, so let's walk through, like I said in my somewhat low, let's walk through the power situation. So this episode starts with the power flickering. And there's a discussion about how they're reserving power. And then they go into the bar. Um, Aunt Z says it's because, you know, they're reserving power and like that. Uh, Captain Doza is talking to the First Order because he's in cahoots with the First Order. Mm-hmm. And Aunt C says something along the lines of, all the power is up there except for us down here, something like that. Yeah. It was, it's very like on the nose <laughs> in terms of, okay, so all the privilege is up in the high tower and everything below like has no power. What's right. great about that whole setup too is I guess like the in, the inside of the Colossus is kind of like a donut. And mm-hmm. so when you're up in the high tower, like from the lounge where they're in later on the episode, it looks directly onto Aunt Z's. And it's like this window of white light looking down into this window of darkness. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's such like like you said, it's such this like perfect imagery of privilege and rank. Mm-hmm. And okay, so what I understand, I guess, is that they're reserving power so that they can use it to fuel the system, but it doesn't send a good message that they are keeping the power on in the high tower, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just a little confused about this. Do you have any more insights into the reserve of power, what it means, et cetera? I don't. Um, I think, you know, on the one hand, you're like, oh, well, it like clearly it looks like Doza's offices and like um, bridge and like center of command are up in the high tower. So you're like, Okay, they need power. But what I thought was interesting was the fact that the Aces Lounge still had power and still had, like, all of these amenities in it, like these walking droids with, like, snacks and things like that. And there was still, like, a lot going on, whereas down below, like, you could understand keeping power for Doza, for what he's doing, trying to run the ship. Um, But then, like, not even, like, some kind of reserve power for the lounge. Like, they just get to live in this luxury. And and then you see someone like Tora's room, which – is very like it's big, it's spacious. She's got decorations. She has light. She has ambient lighting. Um, mm-hmm. she, <laughs> like it's clearly a, a representation of their rank on the ship. I thought I I really like the comparison between the Aces Lounge and Aunt Z's um, in this episode, but I don't know what it says about the reserve of power or if maybe they're on different power systems um, or maybe like the power that came from the First Order directly went to Doza's tower. And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I think there's more there is kind of what I'm saying. And I think that we'll see it again and again and again about the the power going out and what that actually means. Because the more I think through it, the more I just have more questions. Well, what if the thing that's on the Colossus – you remember we talked about this in our first episode about how there's something on the Colossus that Mm – whether it's a person or a thing, there's something there that the First Order needs. So what if the thing is something that has to be powered um, and it's power – like it's located in Doza's tower – Mm, like almost like a centrifuge type yeah, situation. Yeah, and so like the power has to stay on in Tosa's tower in order to keep whatever it is um, or maybe whoever it is alive. Ooh. Um, Creepy. Yeah, and so – so on again, it's like this face value of like who Doza is. So and like maybe this thing is is central to the running of the Colossus, and so. But Do- like no one knows about it except for Doza and maybe Tora um, and maybe the Aces. Like that's really what they're protecting is this thing that's located in Doza's tower that lives off of power, whether it's electronic or organic, whatever it is. Or maybe we're going to get a last shot connection and it's some kind of organic mechanical being. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? That would be um, crazy. That would be so cool. But so all the power has to go to Doza's tower, but no one else on the Colossus knows that. Like, no one else knows that the reason Doza's tower has to have the power on is so that the Colossus can continue to function or just, like, to protect this thing that's in there. But all they see is that the Aces Lounge still has, like, disco music and free snacks. (laughs) Kaz just totally gobbled up so fast. That was a lot for me. (laughs) 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 That's my new theory is that the thing that the First Order is after needs power and is on – is in Doza's tower. Because I think you're right. I think this power situation is going to be a recurring theme. And spy missions in the dark are always really fun. So what if it's the center core of the Star Killer and they have Ooh. to that's like their missing piece that they need for in order to complete the Star Killer base? 
That would be really interesting. Yeah, it really that. would be. Yeah, I can get behind that. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. I'm. It mu- I bet you're right. It probably does have something to do with Star Killer Base. And then remember, we also talked about a theory of like Kaz ending up on Star Killer Base when Hosnian Prime is exploded, and maybe that's why he's following whatever it is they took from Doze's Tower from the Colossus, and they take it to Star Killer Base, and he's like, "Oh my god, like <laughs> this is bad." Mm-hmm. Um, and he tries to tell everyone, and then it's too late. <sighs> no, Star- but that's probably what's gonna happen. <laughs> Well, you heard, that's resistance, guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about characters. <laughs> Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. So welcome to part three, where we're going to talk about characters. And I want to start by talking about hype, because I think that we saw we saw a glimpse of hype in previous episodes, and it is Donald Faison's character, and mm-hmm. I know that he's been so hyped about it and everything. And I thought his character in his character introduction was so much deeper than I was originally expecting, and I was really pleased by that. Yeah, I completely agree. I was not expecting to – like, these character relationships already have so many levels to them, especially Tam and Hype. You were just kind of hit out of the gate with this like dark history. Will they reconcile? Will they not? Are they together? Were they together? Are they just friends? What's the deal with the fireball? Um, you know, Hype sold himself out, basically left Tam behind, but you can tell he kind of feels bad about it, but he's also still kind of a hot shot. Um, there's just a lot going on in the very short amount of time we got with them. It was very well written. I feel like there's more to their separation than what we know. Like, I feel like there's a misunderstanding between Tam and Hype about what happened or or basically a misunderstanding with what Tam perceived happened with Hype leaving and joining the Aces. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a matter of time before that is revealed. And I don't know how to feel about whether or not I ship them. <laughs> <laughs> the problem. There's just like always shipping happening. <laughs> shipping on a really big ship. While they fly smaller ships. So hilarious. Uh, Yeah, I want to think there's something else behind the reason why Hype kind of left Tam. And I think there is. But I thought it was interesting how he didn't really seem to show a whole lot of remorse for it in this episode. Given the fact that we're kind of led to believe that this is the first time he's really talked to Tam in quite some time. Mm -hmm. And he still kind of just kind of makes fun of her ship and you know oh you're still trying to get the fireball to work like why would you do that like it doesn't he didn't quite have that kind of distant remorse of like you know what I mean when you kind of like you see the story playing out in his eyes like the flashback that we're about to get um I didn't really see that quite yet in hype it doesn't mean that we won't I'm sure you're right but it wasn't quite there for me I kind of – that's what I mean. I think that because of his lack of remorse and his lack of, like, oh, man, I screwed up, right? Um, I feel like he thinks that he made the right choice and something about that choice mm-hmm. has yet to be revealed to us and it's something that Tam doesn't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, um, I think they'll, they'll, they're definitely going to reconcile. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so the other thing that's really interesting about Hype is that he has this, like, special privilege to not have to deal with the shipments from the First Order or anything to do with the First Order. Oh, interesting. 
what does it mean? Like, clearly, we were revealed that him and Tam had a past together and everything, which then kind of leads me to, like, uh, what if Tam is the First Order spy? What if Hype is the First Order spy? Why does he not have to deal with them? It's so weird. It's so strange. It's so very interesting. I don't even really know how to describe it, but just the fact that, like, he has that kind of authority with Doza to say, you know, you know, like so past, like so aggressive about it, you know, like I'm not going to be talking. Like Doza knows that I don't deal with them. You know, like what's happened before? What kind of relationship has Hype had with the First Order prior to coming to the Colossus? Or was it something that happened on the Colossus? And that's why – because clearly the First Order has been there a number of times. People mm-hmm. know when they're coming. They know who they are and they know what happens. You've got these rumors about Doza. Um, and Hype has been very specific that he's not going to interact with them. Do the other aces feel that way? If they don't, why don't they? Because as the audience, we're like, yeah, no, the First Order is bad. Like <laughs> why doesn't everyone get to say what Hype says and just, you know, go to Aunt Z's and, and drink away their trouble? It's so interesting, and I honestly have no theories. Like, I have, no, I have no idea. It felt really out of left field that Hype would have that um, sort of... Um, well, his response is very uh, intense and very angry, which, again, like, we got a lot of notes from Hype, like a lot of emotional notes from him in this episode when everything we've really seen from him so far, as far as... I mean, this is a really our first episode with him, but... Uh, from promo material and a little bit we saw on him in the other episodes, it's been very hype. <laughs> um, but here we see him be very intense and very serious very quickly about the First Order. And then when he's talking to Kaz, he like switches on that, you know, that bravado very quickly again. I think the whole hype thing is a total facade. See, I don't. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, I think that, I mean, to a certain extent, I honestly think that he's like playing up the whole hype mentality. And I I think you'd agree with that, too, that he's like really leaning into his celebrity. Yeah, definitely. I think he there's like hype as a pilot is at like a 12, but like hype as himself is probably at like a nine, honestly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. He definitely has a storied past, and I'm really excited, and I'm happy for Donald Faison because I was nervous. You know, he's such a huge fan. I wanted him to have, like, a really good place in Resistance, and I was worried that his character would be one-dimensional, and that's clearly not the case, and I'm really happy for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you'd asked me about complicated characters, I probably wouldn't have put hype on there. Same. That's from the promo material, but pleasantly surprised. Same. Okay, so I just want to say one thing about Nico before <laughs> – because I know the conversation is going to, like, roll into your theory thing. <laughs> but I thought it was hilarious that he was drinking this ginormous water bottle at Anzi's. Did you notice this? <laughs> I feel like I'm the only one that notices, no. noticed this. It's like this because you only drink water. I know. It was so relatable to me. <laughs> like, this ginormous water bottle. <laughs> Those of you that don't know, Charlotte is like a fish and is the most avid water drinker I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like whenever we go somewhere, Charlotte gets the biggest water bottle she can find and it's gone in like 10 minutes. <laughs> like, Have you ever seen a cartoon character who drinks a huge thing of water? <laughs> no, not off the top of my head. I don't keep track of it. And that, wa- that is why Niku is the best. 
Charlotte will never speak ill of Nico again as a First Order agent because he too likes water. I mean, I don't know if it's water, but it, it was like this huge Could be a water bottle. Thing, yeah. It was a bottle. Like he was sucking from the bottle. It was so funny. <laughs> I'll find a screenshot and tweet it because it is so funny. Please. Yeah, Niku was a lot of – like all of my First Order uh, conspiracy theories aside, I really did enjoy Niku in this episode uh, from the comlink situation and how that was – you like Kaz used that to his advantage later. I thought that was really well played. Um, and then all of them taking bets and Niku kind of unwillingly or unwittingly leading the bets <laughs> um, as Kaz is kind of scaling the wall across from them <laughs> was really fun. He was like, oh, he did not fall. <laughs> I liked them placing bets. It was great. Yeah. It was yeah. really funny. And everyone was like, nope, he's definitely going to fall. Definitely going to fall. <laughs> and then and then when he almost did fall and they do this um, this shot of Aunt Z and she's like, oh, no. Like she didn't want him, like, she wanted him to fall and he didn't. <laughs> and the thing about Kaz in this episode is in the past, on our past episodes, I've expressed annoyance and discomfort with the lack of – Kaz learning how to be a mechanic and I was happy to see that that not taking like center stage in this episode and instead us like focusing on Kaz being a spy and I felt like he finally hit his stride and I had a glimpse of the reason why Poe kind of recruited him you know what I mean yeah exactly it was so nice to finally see Kaz doing something other than not know how to be a mechanic (laughs) and not know how to be a spy uh, so it was really fun to, again, like to see him utilize the comm link and have that idea to use the droid for it too. Um, oh my gosh. Also hilarious moment when he was talking to the droid, like, you're looking great. Oh my God. So great to see you. And then he was like, wait, you're not who I was looking for. And then his, <laughs> he pops back into frame and is like, but you're still looking good. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. He's so cute. He's He's just a cutie. I love Kaz. Love him so much. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I really like seeing him as a spy. It was fun to get to see him like go from zero to 60 as far as like he kind of successfully completed this first mission of spying on the First Order and then he immediately gets caught. (laughs) And and then he has to run away and, you know, (laughs) ends up in Tora's bedroom and then in a literal like got caught with your boyfriend, he like falls out the window and now is on this ledge and has to like jump and do like you know crazy jumping and across ledges and very high places so it was really good okay interesting that you bring that up because i had dismissed tora for a potential love interest for kaz just for like a number of reasons but i'm really confused now (laughs) that she like kind of went there with him Mm -hmm. um i still don't really ship it but I'm I'm like, oh, maybe this is actually going to be a thing. I don't know because she clearly thinks he's cute, you know? Yeah. You know? it's It was interesting. Again, like a bedroom is a very intimate place. Um, and they, they take time to like show us around. And it, I mean, it's just like with Kylo and Rey though. It's like they <laughs> – Sorry. Everyone's – that's a bad comparison. <laughs> I mean, it's like with Bridal Carry. You know, they gave us that trope. And, you know, from Force Awakens, you and I were like, nope, not romantic. 
but then you actually look at the trope of bridal care and you're like, nope, that's a fair romantic trope. And even too in The Last Jedi, the shirtless Kylo Ren, when she's like clearly flustered to see him in that situation, that's not like – like if she had no attraction to him, it wouldn't matter. But she does. And so that's why it's a problem in the scene in The Last Jedi. She's like, whoa, whoa, I don't, mm, don't want to say that, but I kind of do, you know? And so in this episode, when we have a trope like a boy caught in a girl's bedroom, your mind like automatically goes to a romance, even if it's not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's strange. And then to how she like holds his face. <laughs> I know. See, that's the thing. That's why it's worth mentioning because it's like, oh, maybe there is something there, even though like I need some time. And I was just under the impression that she was young. So I don't know what's up. I just – I don't know. I'm very confused. Agreed. I'm very confused about it too. Um, again, I'm and, – And I'm confused because I was shipping Kazam, Kaz and Tam. <laughs> oh, great. And now I'm like fully confused about the Tam and Hype like relationship that mm-hmm. clearly was – is in the past. Yeah. I know. And then yeah, – I mean <sighs> – It's a crisis. It's a crisis. Of heart. <laughs> I don't have any set shit for this show at all. I think uh, – I don't know. Because if I had to pick one, my head was first like, yeah, Kazam, Kazam. But then I'm like, Tora and Kaz are just like really cute together. They have like very similar personalities. And just to like see them on a mission together, like just kind of – That would be really fun. It would be really cute. But then it also be really fun to see like Tam and Kaz on a mission together because Tam would just be like – so like aggressive and like let's just get it done and Kaz would be the one who's like fumbling after her that would be really fun Mm -hmm. I don't know I also just love Tora's voice I think that's it like I want her on screen more because I just love her accent me too it's fun and I love her markings on her face too which after seeing her father I'm like is she part a like part creature not creature but like another I know is that I know who is that like makeup because I thought it was like facial marking if I were to guess, I would guess that she was half something. That would be really cool to see that. Yeah. What is the species of Ryu Chuchi? Um, Ryloth, right? Pant- Pantoran? 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 Yeah, something like that. And I, I mean, I don't think that – maybe she's that. That's the only thing that I can be remember. And, like, maybe I should look right now in the data bank to see if she is. But, yeah, I mean, I think that they're – I'm I'm with you. Like I I want more of her on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Also, one final thing before we wrap up, Bucket. Oh my god, <laughs> it's really funny that Tam has like such an affection for Bucket, which I didn't expect that at all, and clearly Kaz didn't either, because he was like, "Whoa, what?" Because because when uh, Kaz like trips over Bucket, and Tam's like, "What'd you do, basically, to like my poor baby?" Yeah, you know. <laughs> And I thought that was really funny. This protective, like, spirit came out of Tam. It was really funny. And two, with that, like, with uh, Bucket and how kind of uh, surly he was, I was like, maybe he's the First Order agent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Worried at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The one, the invisible helpers. I think um, L2 says something like that in uh, Last Shot. Yeah. Also, okay, so I just looked up on Wikipedia if Tora was, in fact, and it is listed as that she is human. And I think that maybe those markings on her face are just like pilot markings, like almost like um, what you do before like a football game, whatever those are. You know what I mean? Like you put those things on your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I know there's a specific term, Child but I am thinking that those are similar. But maybe that, I mean, that was Wikipedia. It could be proven wrong once we figure out who her mom is. Yeah, exactly. I would say we don't know who her mother is yet. I hope she would be some kind of mix. I think that would be really cool. Me too. Yeah, I hope so. And no Yeager in this episode, so. I know. There was no Yeager in this episode. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be back next week. Maybe he's the first order spy and he's like underneath the mask of the stormtrooper mask, you know, meeting them. Yeah. Talking to them. That would be hard because Niku is the first order spy. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Really rough. Really hard. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our episode for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Did you guys like the High Tower as much as we did? Let us know. Also, what do you think is being kept on the Colossus? I think it's I'm like now very convinced or very much want a half organic, half mechanical something that's being kept within the bowels of Dosa Tower and the Colossus. Anyway, you should let us know. Um, you can tell us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal Twitters at Caitlin Plusher and at Crarity. And if you like what you heard, you can head on over to iTunes and drop us a review. It would really help our show out. And with that, I want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Amy, Joanna, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, D- Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Rachel, Courtney, Brian, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Swara, BJ, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Anthony, Danny, Lumbarveru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Matt, Jordan, Molly, Chell, Aaron, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Derek, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. We seriously appreciate all that you do for us. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.